What happened to Soviet hikers who died in the northern Ural Mountains between February 1st and 2nd of 1959? Today, the Jackalopes will look at what we know about the Diet Love Pass incident. This episode of Jackalopes Explore is brought to you by Sheridan Stationery Books and Gifts, located at 535 North Main Street in Sheridan. Stop by today to peruse books, stationery, gifts, sports cards, and more. Or visit us at SheridanStationeryBooks.com. I'm Floyd Whiting. I'm Aaron Linden. I'm Steve Sisson. I'm Emmy Whiting. And we are your Jackalopes. We're going to take a deep dive into the Jackalope hole to find out the context to many conspiracy theories and issues affecting our world today. Now, diaries and cameras found at their last campsite actually made it possible to track this group and the route up to the day preceding what has been named the diet love incident each member of the group was actually an experienced grade two hiker with ski tour experience and they would be receiving their grade three certification upon their return and one reason why i tell you this is grade two hiking uh they knew what they were doing and they knew where they were going uh so what happened to these folks let's uh dive right into the jackalope hole aaron what happened to these people? Oh man, this is this is one of my favorite stories, and I had I knew about it, but in research researching it, it's even better than what I had anticipated. Mm -hmm. So this group heads out, and basically, exactly what you said, they were they were trying to find a different way through this pass, and in doing so, they would be upgraded from their level two to level three. So it was kind of a big deal. They were going, as you said, they were very experienced. So this group, it was from the Ural Polytechnical Institute, and it was led by Igor Dietlov, right? So they go and they get their permitting for this. So they take off by train, you know, to get to their, their base camp, essentially area where they're gonna take off from. And between February 1st and February 2nd, something happened and that's been just the realm of like conspiracy and controversy since 1959 because nobody knew what happened to these people so they head up and somewhere in february 1st to 2nd they're assuming it was overnight their tents were cut from the inside so that they could escape um there were eight men and two women on this venture there was actually supposed to be one other person in the group but they had to turn back because of, because of health issues that was divine yeah, intervention that right? was one of the women right? that was one of the women okay. yes yep actually turned back um it just gets weird though because so they cut their way out of their tents leaving behind almost all of their clothing and their shoes again with the mm -hmm. shoes like we covered with the hunters last week More which people. is very weird <laughs> so <clears throat> About 26 days later, they hadn't been heard from. So they sent out a search party, a rescue party. And it took them some time before they actually found six of them that they claimed died from hypothermia. Three died from physical trauma. One had major skull damage, two had severe chest damage, and another had a small crack in their skull. But there was no signs of struggle, 
There was no signs of wild animal attack. There wasn't anything but one of when they, so they found what, five of them, I think originally, and it took them another two months to find the other four. So <clears throat> the first four were about 1600 feet downslope near the edge of a forest. There were two of them there that had started to build a small fire mm -hmm. and they actually had burns on their hands and they weren't sure if it was from the fire or what it was from, but the tree that they were under was a big Siberian pine and all the branches for up to five meters up were broken off. So they, they couldn't tell if they were trying to go up the tree to evade something or if they were trying to climb the tree to get, you know, bearings on where they were because supposedly this happened overnight. But so they're 1600 feet downslope near the edge of the forest. That's where they find two of them. But between that pine tree and the camp, there were four more bodies that they discovered under anywhere from three to six feet of snow. They were at distances of 300, 480, and 630 meters from the tree. So they don't know if they were going to the tree or if they were actually heading back to try and grab more provisions. But I mean, we're talking 1,600 feet. It's not that far. No. I mean, in a, in a blizzard, sure. Yeah, absolutely. If it's but 30 if it, below and it's dark. But, but you can still see the fire, right? There was a fire. A small fire. So 1,600 feet, but it took two months before they discovered the other bodies. They were 246 feet further into the forest at the bottom of a, of a ravine, 13 feet down under snow, but they were in a running creek. Now, of those people that they found there, two of them were missing their eyes. One woman was missing her tongue and an eyebrow. And one of them had trace amounts of radiation. So when you say missing an eyebrow, does that mean the hair or does that mean like the flap of skin attached there, to the eyebrow? Just no eyebrow. That's all it said. Mm. The one that had the slight amount of radiation, they described as having orange skin and gray hair by the time they found him. Interesting. So, <clears throat> Emmy, you're pretty good at, uh, you know this one pretty well. Uh, we go on a hiking trip. There's nine of us. We get up to uh, the last camp, as it's come to be known. Everyone settles in for the night. Something causes them to cut their way out of this tent, and everyone basically scatters. Mm -hmm. It appears, from what Aaron describes, as we just can't find our way back, or they're trying to avoid or evade something. I mean, that's the big mystery. What happened to these people because i think a lot of people just say well it was hypothermia because hypothermia can make you do weird things yes it can can make your skin feel like it's on fire so i mean yeah that explains the clothes but at the same time there's there's weird things about the clothes too um whereas i, I was reading on on this article i was on that one person's foot was wrapped in a piece of another person's pants mm -hmm. like well, you know, maybe they were injured somehow or, you know, maybe that's why they stopped for the night right at that moment. Um, and then another person, let's see here, was found wearing another person's hat and coat like it, they're all mixed up. And it's it's very odd, you know. Um, and then also there was a lot of clothing items that had cuts in them too and 
even if you're going into hypothermia, I mean, I would just assume you'd just rip off your, your coat and everything. Why would you risk cutting yourself too? But, you know, maybe in a panic you would, I don't know, but yeah, yeah, it's very interesting. So let's keep in mind that this is 1959. This is the cold war is well, well in, in, uh, in operation, I guess you could say the Soviet army is the one who investigated this, uh, disappearance. And what I do know is when the first medical examiner started to try and basically say, Hey, look, this is weird. The Soviet military had him dismissed. They brought in another medical examiner who would write what the Soviet military told them to write. Mm -hmm. So it's very confusing and it's very hard to get a straight, what happened? How did we find them type of answer? Uh, you know, behind the iron curtain, this mystery may never, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, really be discovered because there may not be documents, you know, talking about what was really found or what they really thought happened. Right. Um, is there any kind of explanation? And uh, I'll hand this to either one of you as to why there was radiation involved in one body. The tongue was missing. The eyes were missing. Those I can kind of see. Uh, you know, decomposition takes the soft parts first, right? Well, but when you think about the temperatures, you know, it, that is supposed to preserve everything. If you're yeah, there's still, it. I mean, there's still a ton of bodies on Mount Everest mm. exactly. right. that they can't right. bring down. And they're they're in full, fully the, yeah. formed. Yeah. yeah, fully yeah. formed, still clothed. I mean, their, so their clothes are sh decomposition kinda... is very it would be very unlikely, I feel. See, that's just really weird. Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, we're talking about a period of two months, you know, of, of them finding the first bodies to finding the ones in the ravine that are missing eyes, missing tongues, mm -hmm. whatever. So it's not it's not a crazy amount of time. It's not like, you know, it's in the Everglades where it's hot and muggy mm -hmm. and whatever. Yeah, it's cold. Yeah. It's a very cold environment. You know, and they were up there. It was it was 20 below. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And even if evenings. it was critters, I mean, why would they just take those parts? Yeah. You know, and the, leave the rest of the body intact. You know I mean, you could eat a cheek. <laughs> right. Well, <laughs> cheeks yeah, off. There, why yeah, would yeah. you take the tongue over yeah. the cheek that's right there? You know, so. that's that's very true. And a, a, an animal isn't going to get specific. You mm -hmm. know, oh, I prefer the tongue. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoy but the eyeballs. If you uh, were to test for radiation on a dead body, one of the first locations would be the tongue because it's soft. And it would probably, I would think, absorb radiation quickly. And so that would give you a gauge of uh, how much radiation that Sissy body knows about radiation. <laughs> yeah. You do, actually. Yeah, yeah. I, I deal with it. Not, not that kind of radiation, <laughs> but... Yeah. yeah, yeah. So all of these bodies in different states of decomposition, all of these bodies with a little something weird. Mm -hmm. One thing... The injuries that you listed off, the trauma that was suffered by these bodies. I, if I was a medical examiner, and I'm not, and I'm not a doctor, but in my very, very limited, uh, you know, first aid training, I would say that these sound like avalanche injuries, uh, you know, or, or falls. We got damage to the chest. We've got damage to a head. We got a cracked skull. Um, I that's that's the first place my mind would go. 
I was talking with Sisson this morning, and if it's dark, mm-hmm. we're all in a tent, kind of huddled in there together. When you hear an avalanche, whether it's even on the other ridge or the ridge next to you, you don't know that. So I would probably tell everybody, get out, go to a different spot, we'll gather up mm-hmm. in a moment. Like every every man for themselves kind of deal. Uh, just make sure that you're not covered in snow. I mean, is that a possibility? Is that something that well, was discussed? So, <clears throat> what's interesting is so they, they theorize on a lot of stuff from Catabic type winds so downslope winds that can come in with like gale force hurricane force winds that area is not known for that so that one's kind of out um another one was the mansi or mansai tribe so they're nomadic reindeer herders that are very territorial Mm. but in the autopsies it said that the damage, you know, fractured skulls and, and chest damage was consistent with somebody that was hit by a vehicle. My God. Mm-hmm. I mean, like more force than human on human contact. Mm-hmm. Not to mention there was no sign of any kind of a struggle, whether it was, you know, a Yeti or <laughs> whatever. I mean, it, it just wasn't. In fact, it gets it gets kind of really weird in the fact that not only were there some levels of radiation, but this force that they're talking about, what could what could cause that, right? So avalanche. Everybody's like, oh, it was an avalanche. Well, avalanches occur at a minimum of like a 30 degree slope. Where these guys were camped was between 23 and 25. There have been a hundred other expeditions that have gone through this area since 1959 and not any one of them has ever reported any kind of avalanche activity Mm. so they want to say it was avalanche everything points to avalanche however none of it really points to avalanche because of where they were the time of year that they were there the amount of snow that had occurred prior to and during it just a standard avalanche doesn't really apply it's interesting though because it there's just some weird stuff in here and so i'll get into some of the weird conspiracy stuff so as you had mentioned they went up write a report bring it back to me nope we don't like that Mm -hmm. send another guy Mm -hmm. we'll take that one but then they subsequently put it into a secret archive Mm -hmm. where nobody could touch it now if if yeah, why would they do that? Why would they right. why would they do that if if this was just another and, hiking accident? Right. And if you have your Patsy writing the report, why are you secretly archiving it somewhere? Right. Yeah. It yeah. says what you want it to say. And just to make it disappear. On my research I found the Soviet investigators listed the cause of death as compelling natural force. Yes. Compelling natural, natural force. force. That was that was the mm-hmm. the last definitive explanation. Yep. And then they compelling it. natural force. Yep. Interestingly though, that's, that's how do you how do you tell somebody that oh, I've got bad news. Your <laughs> your sister died from a compelling natural force. Isn't isn't like death just a compelling natural force anyway? Right. right? Like yeah. I mean, like leave it as vague as possible for everyone. Absolutely. Yeah. And if this was again, if this was just another accident mm-hmm. uh, with natural decomposition, why would you go to these lengths? Right. So interestingly, on April twelfth, two thousand eighteen. 
I'm going to butcher this guy's name. <laughs> Zolotaravi's remains were exhumed. And he was one of the people that was on this expedition. Experts stated that his injuries were, again, um, that of a person being hit by a car. However, when they did a DNA analysis of him, his DNA did not match any living relative. And it's been theorized that not only was his name not on record as being buried at this cemetery, but there was there was some theory around that actually in World War II, he had died in battle and someone else picked up his name oh, that was wow. on this excavation or this expedition rather. Interesting. So they dig him up. That's crazy. <laughs> his name's not on the burial reports. And his DNA doesn't match any living relative. So who was this guy and what was he doing there? Wow, I didn't know that. Right. I'd never seen that before. Oh, I, I went deep. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> so it's just weird that, you know, again, just doesn't, doesn't match names, doesn't match DNA, nothing. And it's one more level and it's of weird absolutely. on this. On top of weird. On yeah. top of weird. Weird on top of weird. So... There was a Swiss research computer model that actually went into the avalanche theory. Okay. And they came out and they said that the model suggested that it could possibly have been an avalanche. It's not really hard not evidence, definitive. is it? Yeah, no. I wouldn't say it's definitive no. at all. Yeah. yeah. But these guys, you know, they're Swiss and they have avalanches. <laughs> so you kind of got to wonder what, what's really going on there. Um, at the time, though, when they went up to investigate, so we're talking 26 days later after they were supposed to have been back, there were no signs of an avalanche at that time. Like I said, another 100 expeditions have been through there, no avalanches. This is what's really weird. The tents that had snow on them were collapsed from the side. Well, you would think if it was an avalanche, it would have been from the upward mm -hmm. slope coming down. Mm -hmm. It wasn't. It was when they got there and they took pictures it, they were all collapsed in from the side because the theory was, oh, well, maybe if it came down the mountain and they had their door facing that way, maybe away from the upward wind or whatever, they couldn't get out. So they had to cut their way out. Right. But that's not what the photo suggested. It was from the side, not from the, the downhill. I actually have a photo here. Ooh. Mm -hmm. so you guys can see it. We can put the photo up in post. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's interesting. We should do that. So the question becomes, well, was it an avalanche? And by the time they got there, the wind had just swept it a different way. Right, right. Who knows? Because, I mean, you're 26 days later and snow does funny things. We live here in Wyoming and you know that a 10-foot snow drift can show up overnight. Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Another interesting thing is all of the footprints leading away from the tents down to the tree line and subsequently down into the ravine were at a normal walking gait. Mm -hmm. distance wise so not a run not a run not a if i'm running away from a yeti in the snow right there's gonna be long strides and maybe a couple of falls <laughs> what we call like panic the, footprints the, <laughs> put your hands in the snow and pause and look back <laughs> yeah none of that just walk mm -hmm. just a standard walk down there which is again bizarre yeah if there's an avalanche i'd be running you'd, you'd be, be running, running. Yeah. absolutely so other theories were at the time, they were doing military 
parachute mine exercises in the Ural Mountains, where they'd fly over and drop mines with parachutes. They'd land and boom, blow up. So were they? did they hear that in the middle of the night and they got scared, thought it was an avalanche, maybe it was gonna cause an avalanche and, and bolted? Why would they cut their way out of their tent yeah. if that were the case? As much as I would like this to be like a botched alien abduction because a Yeti came <laughs> and it just all went bad. <laughs> and they had to leave them there. Yeah. yeah. The aliens were like, well, I don't want to take the yep. Yeti too. Abort, so, right. And yeah. they get so upset when you don't take yeah, it. So, we right. know how they are. Yeah. We're just They're leaving. They're like, why can't I go? I don't have shoes on. <laughs> yeah. I don't have shoes on. <laughs> She's wearing someone's pants. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody else's pants. <laughs> But so as much as I would love for this to be one of those like crazy, you know, the reindeer guys showed up, the aliens came to abduct them while the Yeti's tearing into some tents. I really looked into slab avalanches. Mm -hmm. And if you think about this, slab avalanche makes a ton of sense because so, okay, they're on a 23 degree slope, not enough for an actual like full blown, good old fashioned avalanche, but they dig in to make this flat spot here. So they're actually probably there's who knows, five feet snow over right. there, whatever. Creates like a wind block. Yeah. Creates a wind block. But also what ends up happening, if you've been around snow and ice, is the lower layers of snow compress mm -hmm. through heating and cooling and melt into ice. Right? So you've got different layers of ice and then subsequently softer snow on top of it. If further up there's wind that goes through or whatever it is, or them digging, that next layer under the snow of ice could crack away. And it could take 12 hours before mm -hmm. that decides to move. Well, if that moves, the weight of that ice and snow coming down onto that tent would probably be pretty damn consistent with a car wreck. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, see what you're it's yeah. like concrete moving. And even if it's moving at 20 miles an hour, not that fast, but fast, fast enough, enough to if yeah. you're laying in a tent and it comes down on your chest, head, whatever, and crushes you essentially, but you're able to kind of wiggle free out of the tent, cut that sucker open mm -hmm. and take off. Or get your buddy. You yeah. grab your buddy because he's injured. He right? just got injured from this thing. And then you you all bolt because you think, well, he's the unlucky one that got it right now. Mm -hmm. But what happens when the rest of this slab comes down on top of and that's us? The Let's thing. get him That's why we get the hell out of here. We go to the tree line. We build a fire and, and try and figure this out. Okay, well, now it's been a couple hours. Nothing else is moving. Let's head back that way. Well, by now, you're so hypothermic that one of you drops, you know, 200 mm -hmm. meters, mm -hmm. another one drops 480, another one drops 600. The only thing I cannot figure out is why did those four people end up 200 and some feet further in, 13 feet down in a creek? And see, my only logical explanation for that would be that when we got out of the tent, we may be separated into two separate groups in a panic. Mm -hmm. And then one of those groups couldn't find their way back. Split up gang. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yep. Where maybe just, uh, you know, maybe there was a storm uh, with it and, and you just can't get through that blizzard. But again, that to me, that doesn't seem like a 
a death event, you know, where all nine are lost. You know, a few, the four that wandered off, maybe. Why didn't the other individuals who built the fire and seemed capable survive? Yeah. What came along that did this to him? I mean, obviously they, they froze to death, but with the tents and everything being right there, with all the gear right there, with a fire right here, it makes no sense that all nine souls were lost in this event. Uh, like I said, maybe the four that went off by mm -hmm. themselves. Sure. Uh, they couldn't make it back. What led to us suddenly losing our minds? And, and essentially freezing to death. Well, that, I'm glad you asked, <laughs> could be due to infrasound mm. okay. induced panic. So again, and Sisson probably knows more about this than any of us, but low level frequency or whatever that ends up just basically like kind of driving you nuts. Yeah, well, we, know, we know that there are military weapons like that where it's just sound. But it, like, it messes with your mind and makes you basically go insane. Mm -hmm. Right. Tell me about this infrasound. Uh, that's what it is. That's... Yeah. I mean, it's just a certain frequencies at a certain amplitude. It just, it'll, it'll mess with you and uh, you, just, you can't handle it, basically, mm -hmm. is what it comes down kinda to. Kind of just scrambles your brain. Yeah. Now, yeah. The, the indigenous people of this area, they have often talked about events, lights, strange things, and uh, they call this... The devil's pass right mm -hmm. like this was a spot that you're not supposed to go mm -hmm. um, according to the indigenous folk around there so could it be something strange like that uh the wind blowing through peaks well, and whatever and think about what we talked about last week with like electromagnetic stuff where things just happen in yeah. certain places i mean that could be one of those places too it really could yeah. and i mean it's remote it's middle of nowhere, Russia, middle of nowhere, mountains, middle of nowhere. Yeah. And so, you know, those places tend to have those kinds of stories, you know, whether it's the Windigo or a Yeti or mm -hmm. strange lights in the sky. Skinwalkers. Or, yeah. Right. And all of that <clears throat> comes from somewhere. Now, is it some of it's just folklore? Sure. But as we've learned in the recent few weeks here, I mean... There's congressional hearings on UFOs. So could it have been some sort of an event like that that made them scared, nervous, whatever, to run away from their, their base camp, essentially? Wow. I don't know. But just the, the weird thing is the radiation. And it's on one person, not where on did the it entire come group. That, well, so yeah. that becomes, was it, you know, was it Russian military testing out their minds, their radiation weapons their mm -hmm. infra low energy whatever vibrations were they just the unfortunate group that they're like hey they're up there we could test this stuff <laughs> you know and see what happens or could it have been something way more nefarious like the reindeer herders going hey you don't belong here and maybe they set off an avalanche i don't know for certain but based on what i know about avalanches the speed and weight of what the snow and ice are being consistent with basically being hit by a vehicle where else would that have come from yeah that trauma comes that trauma. to the body yeah mm -hmm. that's amazing and, and there was no like soft tissue damage with this it was all internal so it was all chest fractured skulls things like that no major there lacerations nothing right. 
no animal attacks, no club to the head. And see, Nothing. that's that's why I'm like. The eyeballs and the tongue thing are still so weird to me. <laughs> That's like, weird. The orange skin. Yes, because I'm like, if it's critters, they would have done more damage. And yeah, there was they would have. No, they would have eaten. There was no damage on their skin from like animals. And from what I understand, there's not a lot of critters up there. I mean, yeah. there's the reindeer, and there's yes, yeah, some predatory animals, but not. They don't hang out up there. Yeah, right. It's a little too nasty. It's cold. Yeah. Steve. <laughs> um. Well, um, some thoughts. Um, why would they cover it up? Well, it's the Soviet Union. They cover everything up. <laughs> no, yeah, they I cover mean, up taking a tissue out yeah, of the box. I mean, yeah, I mean, just the fact that you had some climbers that got into a situation, well, you know, Soviets don't do that. We're better than that. It could just be that. Um, mm. the, the initial investigation was certainly, I wouldn't say it was botched, but it had issues, uh, which have, of course, created all kinds of openings and holes for mm -hmm. alternate theories to come in. Um, I think the radiation can be explained by gas lamps. Um, oh, there were gas, gas lamps, lamps, thorium in gas lamps, the little little bags. Yeah, the, yeah. There's there's small amounts of radiation in those. Wow. And I didn't. Know and that. the fact that not every climber had radiation present would explain that. Like mm -hmm. they had the lamp with that one person or closest to that person. Interesting. I think that would explain that. It's a possible explanation anyway. Right. Yeah. Um, I think what. We're, we're kind of it's kind of hard because we, we look for the explanation and i don't think there is an explanation here series uh, of I, events yeah i think it was a you know most disasters are a combination of things that all line up in just the wrong way to make things go really wrong and i think i think aaron kind of hit on it I, I don't think it was like an avalanche per se but a localized slide of snow because they did dig into the slope and stuff above it with a snowstorm and all that mm -hmm. wind and all that could could build snow up there cause it to break loose when you're in a tent at night in a snowstorm you're not going to know that that's not a big avalanche. You can't tell the difference. Huh. I, I think their experience probably worked against them in some ways because if they had probably stayed in the tent, they probably would have survived. But in that situation, you're going to be like, you know, we're going to get entombed in here. Yeah. So get yeah, your we way want out. To get out. And it may not have been panic, but maybe with a sense of urgency that they would leave and not take the time to get dressed and all that stuff. Maybe not running out, but, you know, still leaving with a sense of urgency, like right now, just get out of there. Um, that could explain why there's no running mm -hmm. and, but why that would, they would not be fully clothed. I think what probably could have happened is they all group and start a fire, but some of them are less clothed than others. Others have, you know, more clothing on. I think the ones that were least clothed would hang around the fire to stay warm while others would try to maybe work a way back to the camp. And I think at some point, some of them probably died before others mm -hmm. and the ones that were dead, their clothing got removed and placed on the ones that were still alive. I don't know why it would take them so long to get back to the camp. That's kind of an odd thing. Yeah. Why wouldn't you go back to that tent? Yeah. Of course, we don't know the time frame this all happened in because we didn't even start the search until like a month later. Yeah. And some of them weren't found until much after that. The decomposition was in the ones that were found the latest. So, I mean, that would... It, the amount of decomposition is kind of weird. Like you said, you know, mm -hmm. why not other pieces? Why just the eyes and the tongue? That's kind of strange. Yeah. But those were the ones that were found in the creek area. And I mean, if there's a creek, things are thawing. It's not it's not Mount Everest where things are going to stay frozen forever. So, I mean, some decomposition in that in that amount of time is probably not unreasonable. Mm -hmm. uh, the skin color, you know, could just be from exposure to the sun and all that. Um, I, yeah, I think there's, you would have to rule out all of those possibilities before you would say for sure that it had to be something, you know, more interesting. <laughs> yeah. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, obviously there's going to be stuff that you can't explain because of, you know, the, the amount of time that it passed, the amount of time it's passed now. And it was, mm-hmm. in, uh, it was like the 90s, I think, before a lot of this stuff got, you know, uncovered. Oh, before the story even got yeah. out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Soviet Union was gone by the time we were even able to read most of this stuff. So, I mean, that trail was already very cold by then. So, I mean, a lot of stuff, like... The, the the stuff that initiated the events, I think, is going to always be a mystery. Uh, what exactly happened there? But some of these people were buried under, you know, a significant amount of snow. There could have been another slide afterwards. Mm-hmm. I mean, it may, may not have been the only one. And maybe that's why they couldn't make it back to the camp. Um, I think there's other possibilities, but, I mean, they're all just questions as well and you know you guys know how it is you get up there sometimes in the forest and um even when you start walking in you know you think to yourself well i know this trail and then it snows on you and you turn around and realize mm-hmm. the entire landscape looks completely different i have experienced that yeah you, so yeah. have i yeah yeah uh, it doesn't take much like just a slight turn the snow changes everything absolutely right. everything and, and landmarks that you're very familiar with suddenly become very odd looking uh, and you don't realize it's the same landmark and if you add bad weather and darkness into that that then pounds that again the perfect storm of circumstances to lead to a horrible event and again the communist uh, uh soviet government at the time is more concerned with pr than investigations mm-hmm. so i don't care what you find Tie it in a bow, close this up, don't bother looking any farther into it. It's nine people. Mm -hmm. Sorry, but if you're, you know, an empire like that who doesn't really care about citizens. None of them were high-ranking government uh, related at all. No reason to go any farther than, uh, you know, get a a medical examiner who's going to say what we want, call it good. Uh, So I could see that happening as well. Whereas if this happened in the United States, I like to think that, uh, you know, our officials would be like, I want to know what happened to those poor folks. So, but you never know. So what happened to the Soviet hikers who died on the northern side of the Ural Mountains? I don't know if we will ever know that. Mm -mm. I don't know that we will ever know that. From what I learned in all of this, because like I said, I was familiar with the story, but some of these more intricate details really kind of piqued my interest mostly though is who was the dude that was buried there that's really yeah. interesting. that's, that's, that's the one so out of all of the crazy ass yeah. Yeah. mysteries and conspiracies around this yeah that's the one that i'm like well wait a minute mm-hmm. well, see, i didn't that, know about all that like oh no there's someone here that's not supposed to be here now, now that poses another question though i mean world war ii mm-hmm. records were lost people died millions and millions of people died in russia so how many people did this mm. change that would yeah. be i mean yeah. interest because you wouldn't know i moved to another part of russia i say this is who i am and uh, what's the record search going to be like over there after a world war no electronic record keeping in any way you're taking people on their word oh well this is obviously you know whatever yeah Yeah. this is obviously aaron linden yeah you know Uh, he knows all the stories he He knows yeah he knows everything about mr linden's life i've got no way to double check that especially soviet russia uh during that time how many people decided i am going to be someone else it would be a great opportunity to do that because you know just the massive record keeping there's going to be holes and you can slip through oh. it so easily and russia back then mm-hmm. you could literally just walk into a city and say i'm a farm boy from this region 
We had a small farm. No one's going to double check right. that. No, no. no. nobody. No. Can. You can make up anything you wanted. So, and especially at that time, it's like, okay, you're a bad dude, and you're going to spend life in a gulag, or I can be Bill Smith. You're mm-hmm. going to now. You're changing your name. You're right. so easy. Yeah, a lot of people were saying, well, you know, but DNA technology back in the day. Well, this was 2018. I mean, yeah. isn't that long right. ago that yeah. they actually they, tested they, yeah. the DNA? So I'm like, nope, that's out the window. Here's that, the thing to when me, it comes to people questioning DNA technology. We use it in a court of law. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If we're using it in a court of law to sentence men and women to death, it's been proven. At yeah. least to us. Mm-hmm. It's it's accurate enough where you could make that kind of determination. Absolutely. Yeah, it's yeah. not like DNA testing from 1962. <laughs> right. Well, you know, I mean, you take biology 101 in college, and that is one of the first things that you learn about. And and the experiments that you do, and, and they're very small experiments with a strawberry. And you can prove the DNA in a strawberry against dna in that strawberry and it's literally like lining up lines and if they don't line up Mm -hmm. it's not the same Mm -hmm. strawberry Mm -hmm. you know it's that simple where it's only a comparison and i'm sure everyone out there has uh, actually seen like a a, you know a code dna on Mm -hmm. on and in the gel is what it's in and you just line that up it's like it's better than a fingerprint so, you know, anyone who wants to poo-poo DNA testing, in my opinion, probably hasn't had much experience with it. Uh, it's pretty definitive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's far more likely that someone had swapped identities than the DNA was Absolutely. messed up. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Especially yeah. at that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and who, would, who would think, you know, that uh, you're ever going to discover that I'm not this individual well it wasn't until 2018 that they yeah right exactly it even came up and so i mean that is probably a much more intriguing uh you know mystery i would love to know who this man was what if he was just like some weirdo serial killer (laughs) her mind always goes to serial killer you know what though everyone with them finds out and then it turns into like this whole weird shit, you know? Yeah, where he, he sets no, off an avalanche <laughs> to kill everybody. Or, and then he can't get back out. Make I mean, a good movie. It, it would, would make it a would. great movie. Oh, yeah. There is, speaking of movies, because I, I have to wrap this movie because it's so good. I can't remember if it's Devil's Pass or Diablo's Pass. But I think it's called Devil's Pass. It is amazing it's about like you know this incident but not like this incident mm. you know it's like the alternative yes. yeah like yeah. inspired by and actual like events like once upon a time in hollywood yeah it's <laughs> all about russian experiments there's time traveling there's Ooh. all this oh it's it good buddy it's so it's good. Good. it's one of those movies that you don't even think about and and you're like flipping through and you're like we'll give this a shot and then you walk away from it going my god that was a gem it was so that's good. a fine yes. it's a fine yes. devil's pass if you get a shot yeah check it out you learn all about the actual incident uh and then of course they go into speculation mm-hmm. <laughs> but and good storytelling Ooh. but this check that out this oh, particular so event has always intrigued me uh, because of the odd findings, because of the government covering everything up. But now that we know what we know about the Russian government, this is not odd for the Soviets mm-hmm. to do. Uh, like I said, I don't care what you say. Just tell me it was something quite usual. Tie it up in a bow. We'll all move on. 
And I think that's what happened. What these people deserved an investigation. These people deserved much more than what they and got. And their family. Absolutely. I mean, mm-hmm. absolutely. Because think about the families in this. Of course, we're over here like, what happened? We're speculating for fun. But that was like their family member, their loved one. Yes. And they're like, seriously, what happened? Yeah. I'd like to know. No closure yeah. whatsoever. No closure. An absolute mystery yeah. of, you know, this terror and fear in the dark on a mountain in the middle of the night and your loved one went through that mm-hmm. whatever happened so yeah i think uh they deserved much more than what they got because now all we can do is speculate all we can do is look at the conspiracy theories and assume and uh yeah that's and obviously we'll probably never ever know yeah, I think it's, a, it's it's the Titanic of climbing incidents. It really is. It, it, the story mm-hmm. will endure forever, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And it could have been something very simple. You know, a shelf. What, what are those called? A shelf avalanche. Slab. Slab. Slab, slab avalanche uh, that uh, threw everything off course. Uh, and like you said, one perfect storm of bad circumstances mm-hmm. turns into a conspiracy theory for all of time. What do they call that when it's like? The easiest option is typically Occam's Razor. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But it's really true. I mean, if you had a professional up there who didn't just appease a government, I'm pretty sure they could have figured out what happened. Yeah, there were opportunities missed right there at the time. Absolutely. Even though it had already been almost a month since whatever happened happened, the the, the trail would never be warmer than it was at that point. And there were definitely some things that got overlooked or intentionally discarded. Yeah. And if you go up there and and this isn't a dig on, on, you know, our privates anywhere, but you go up there with a bunch of privates to investigate this thing and they start seeing orange colored bodies. They're coming back with some stories (laughs) of their own. Mm -hmm. You know, you should have seen what we found up there. I'm not allowed to talk about it, but she was orange, you know, like conspiracy theories abound after that. Mm -hmm. And that happens even in the Titanic. You know, if you're getting paid to tell a story, you're going to make it a good one. Absolutely. So you you might embellish just a little bit and then that gets embellished a little bit more and then time goes by. Right. Like a game of telephone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I think we've kind of walked through this one. Aaron, do you have anything else that... Uh... No, I was just hoping for something more fantastical. I know, right? <laughs> like, I really was. Because I went into it like, oh, man, I'm going to dig into this and I'm going to find the missing link. See? I'm finding it, but... Now that I know about that guy, I'm all about my serial That's, <laughs> yeah. That is probably the most interesting thing to come out of this. Yeah. And, and uh, who knows what kind of clues there may be around that. But right. I think I'd there's lo- a good chance. I would that, love to look into it more. Yeah. yeah somebody swapped identities after the war. That's, yeah. that's a good but again, chance, yeah. That is a that one is a jackalope hole because how do you even follow that? Yeah, right. how do you follow who you this could. guy was before? Uh, yeah, the yeah. records that were destroyed during the war. I mean, think about it. Stalingrad was essentially destroyed. Mm-hmm. You know, any any mm-hmm. you know evidence of existence for ninety percent of those people in that city was probably wiped out. Yeah, mm-hmm. and burned. Yeah, that, that trail was gone long ago. long ago. And unless, so, unless they've somehow subsequently found a dna match for him and that's public record somewhere yeah. I, I don't know but yeah you'd have to have a dna record of someone from back at that time which would right. be pretty hard to find so. and imagine to sit there and try to compare that that's, <laughs> yeah. that's too much it's yeah, just, yeah. i remember all they were able to do was that the facial reconstruction matched pictures of this person after the war yes but 
um, that doesn't tell you anything. No. Because it, this was all after the war that supposedly this would have happened. Um, and under the or, and behind the Iron Curtain, mm -hmm. where they're not telling you anything anyway. And who knows how those records were kept or if anyone even bothered. Like now yeah. that we know what we do know about the Soviets and, and the way that some of their bureaucracy was operated, there was a lot of corruption. There was a lot of just sidestepping, do whatever's easiest. I mean, that there's it fell for a reason. And, and corruption and people just not doing their jobs is mm -hmm. a big reason why it fell. So who knows? So other than that, I just I wish that it was a more fantastic <laughs> story. But I think it was, as Steve said, unfortunate events. But. I'm gonna I'm gonna see what I can find on this guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See if they, anyone started an investigation just out of curiosity or on the side. It. It'd be it. interesting <laughs> to find out who he really was. It'd be interesting to know where did the real guy go? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Where's the real man? You know, if if he's not matching Probably up. Probably in Argentina with like you know Osama bin Laden and Elvis. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. You know, but you know to replace somebody. Uh, they would have had to have gone somewhere. So yeah, something happened to person A before mm -hmm. person B could come in and take their place. And obviously, person B did not go and visit the family very often. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Or this thing was done by a tabloid, and the whole DNA story is made up. Telling you, serial killer. Yeah. <laughs> Always yeah. goes there. All right. Uh, anybody else got anything? Nope. Watch Devil's Pass. All right. So we may never know what happened to these hikers and more than likely it was just a series of unfortunate events that led to the death of nine hikers uh, and uh, due to what was found started these conspiracies so again it is a mystery that will never be solved or is there even really a mystery except who is person B <laughs> and where is person A that's our next one no, there's, we're never going to be able to find it. Never, I'll dig. Never. I'll dig and see what I can find. See, yeah. see what? The yeah, it's just I don't know. Yeah. Next, <laughs> next week, uh, if you're listening, next week, Aaron will bring that to the table and see yes. just exactly if there's anything that could be found. I really don't think you're going to be able to find anything, my friend. No, but I. It's it's gonna it'll it'll be a little work, but that's okay. This will be fun. All right, you've been listening to Jackalopes Explore.